Today is February 1st. Cashman had some rough words for Gary Sanchez. Tanaka says he's got unfinished business, and we're taking some voicemails from you fine folk. Let's do it. Let's talk Yanks. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks. My name's Jimmy. We got Jake here. I have a mic. I am not in the office, so there might be some echo. It might not sound fantastic. Deal with it. Jake is in the office looking great. Weathered the snow to get there. A lot of snow out there, Jake. How you doing? James, big baby David, Zach. We got a double producer up going for you guys, the people, on a snow day in the city. And if you hear an echo on my end, it's because I'm talking like an idiot. Um, in the studio, me and Zach making a lot of love, hopefully leaving here soon. If we get trapped in, uh, I will be eaten first. Um, just a pure body mass thing at that point. But uh, we're doing it, man. Uh, you know, baseball trying to not be hot in the streets with some CBA stuff prying up. The Yanks have been quiet after they did their exciting time period. We're waiting for the Guardian a reliever announcement that we think's coming. But as of right now, I guess just snow's coming, Jim. <laughs> okay. Says we're back now. Delayed Good chat. Match. Great. All right, cool. Well, thanks for putting through that. Uh, obviously, a little different setup as the snow comes on down. It's actually really cool, Jake. It's like pretty snow in the backyard. This is a real snowstorm. Lakes, real snowstorm. Very excited about it. Yeah, there's not much going on in Yankee land. Uh, we did get some quotes that we'll discuss, and I, we're just waiting for that next move. Joel Sherman says said his idea, so we can talk about that a little bit, I guess. We do have to let everyone know that today's episode of Talking Yanks is brought to you by Sarah Mahoney, Al, Alexis Lopez Alcina, Brian Daniels, John Torres, very close to Joe Torrey, but John Torres, Eric Banker, Tom Waspel, Wospel, Bennett, God damn, Bennett Pisaniello, Pisaniello, Pisaniello. How would you say that, Jake? Do you see this? Yeah, Pisaniello. You're, you're my Italian name. Pisaniello, hey. Ronald Laliberte, Laliberte, Sarge, Corey Victorella. Courtney Cardea, Joseph Nickerson, Nickerson, Jonathan, Adam Crofts, and Ryan Mays. Those are our most recent Patreon members. Appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for supporting us. Bing, bang, bam. Echo's fixed. We're all good. Where do you want to start, Jake? Jim, I mean, there's not too much to start on. I, I think it's, and I don't think we'd normally start here. I think it's the Cashman and Gary stuff. Um, you know, and I, you and I, everyone here, us two, BBD and Zach, 
We haven't even heard the quote yet. We just saw the quote circling around the internet of Cashman kind of going in on Gary. Uh, I'm interested to see how it sounds because I guess I wasn't too shocked by the quote because I guess that's just what my mindset has been since the playoffs happened last year. But I guess Brian Cashman saying it is a little more impactful for that. So should do we want to let it rip or do you want to... Well, the context here is that obviously Gary had a bad year, got benched. Marley Rivera wrote an article where she interviewed Gary, and Gary said that he thought he was told that the postseason is a brand new season, a new birth, and just forget everything in the past, and that he had been swinging better. So he knew he wasn't going to catch the Garrett Cole days, but then he, when he didn't catch game two, he didn't understand why, because he thought it was like a new season and everything was forgotten, and uh, he says no one told him why he was benched. Now, I think it was Maggie from WFAN um, who asked about asked Cashman about Gary saying he didn't know why he was benched. Cashman's response, I've never heard it, so I, let's play it, and then we'll talk about it. So, yeah, this is from WFAN Moose and Maggie. End of the year. I mean, I saw the article, and, and yeah, you may just scratch your head a little bit on it. I uh, not much really to address on it. Um, I think the whole world knows why he was benched, uh, whether he was told directly or indirectly. I mean, the manager's card on a daily basis uh, is a statement in its own right, and uh, and you have to earn your keep, and you got to earn your way on that card, and earn your stay on that card, and that means that lineup card. And so, at the end of the day, whether whether it was a you know. You were told directly. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying he was. I don't really care. It's pretty much self-aware at that point. You know, you had a horrible year, uh, both sides of the ball. Uh, you lost your job in the most important time of the season, which is October baseball. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if there was an explanation necessary, but I do believe him talked through it since that article. And I know they probably talked before that article, but but to me it was. Whatever it is, it is, and I don't really care. It just you know, your your play speaks for itself, and and you either you can play well enough to keep playing, or or you don't. And uh, but uh, I can tell you this: uh, I'm not going to judge him on the last year. I'm not going to judge him on that, that interview either. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with Gary. Uh, I know the talent level he possesses. I do know he cares. I do know he works, and uh, and I. Pretty certain that you're going to see a different version as long as he stays healthy. You're going to see a different season uh, from him this year. And there was a lot of players in this game that, this past year dealing with the COVID-shortened season that did not live up to their their typical years. And the Gary being, you know, Exhibit A. So at the end of the day, um, you know, it's important for him to get back to the level of player he's capable of being for him, his career, for us, and uh, certainly by us tendering the contract we and, and still making him our everyday guy. Uh, it tells you that we believe that he's going to get back to that. And if he does, uh, it's just obviously going to be really impactful to us. Gary. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad we listened to that, Jake, because no one wrote those the back half of that at all. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. That's, that's where I... Again, I saw the articles come out, and I saw some people being like, Brian Cashman went scorched earth, and I was like, I don't really know. Um, you know, those opening quotes, you do get it a little bit, but also 
it like I'd almost say spot the lie, and maybe it's being too close to the situation. But yeah, I mean Gary was awful last year. He lost the spot to Higgy. Like it, I, I don't. There's no counterpunch, right? No, the only weird thing is he doesn't have to say this publicly, and they've babied Gary for four years. So this is the first time he kind of went gloves off. And that's why at the end of year press conference when Cashman kind of went half gloves off and me and BBD were listening and we both went, whoa, I've never heard him not baby Gary. They, you know. Girardi was tough on them and they didn't like that. And they brought Boone in and they said, the first thing Boone has to do is have a special relationship with Gary Sanchez. Like he was this troubled child. Like that's how they've treated it. So obviously what Cashman's saying is 100% correct. I think the like, whoa part is that we've heard them make excuses for, for Gary and kind of baby him more than we've heard the tough love. So it's kind of weird that, with the public quotes, they switched the tough, tough love knob all the way up. Maybe they've reached their breaking point. But if this happened last offseason or after 2018, Cash wouldn't have said these words. I think they've reached a breaking point here. Yeah, or but like, uh, uh, for, for me, the equation has gotten there. Remember, we did episodes where we wondered if they were going to DFA Gary. Like we, we were wondering if the five mil was going to be worth it. We ended up landing on a good spot just because you're not going to get anyone near Gary's caliber near that price range. So this is it. I mean, they are in bed. And yes, I guess Cashman has taken off the gloves a bit because this is it. It's sink or swim this year. Like, we can't do another, um, you know, Gary ran hot and cold. Ah, he got hurt. Like, if Gary Sanchez has a bad year this year, you know, his next contract in arbitration is supposed to be... I don't know, eight million, something like that. Like the chart is supposed to keep coming up that the equation will not make sense. So um I don't know. I mean, I, I like it from cash. And then at the end, like he continues to say these logical things. Like it was a shortened season. A lot of guys had weird years last year. Like, you know, we we still think he can be this super talented dude, but it's it's go time. I think it's lost in translation. I think what Gary this is my interpretation. When Gary says, like, I didn't get told why I was benched. I think he didn't say I didn't. That wasn't him saying like, I don't know why I was benched. He was just like, they didn't come and have the conversation. Right. And if that's true, that's a bad luck. Like go tell them like, or, or maybe not. I don't know. I, I do. I do think Cashman laid it on pretty thick. I don't think I was surprised with a lot of those quotes. Like it's just self-awareness at this point. It's kind of like an unnecessary shot at like Gary, I guess. But it's, it's the Yanks doing kind of this. Uh, the Yankees run themselves in a weird way. Like we, you and I, kind of don't enjoy it. The Yankees have this Yankiness to them that, like, I don't know, felt like a conversation between Boone and Gary, being like, "Hey, Gary, you know, it's been a rough year for you. Uh, we like what Higgy's doing back there. We're kind of going to give him the keys for the rest of the season." Like, I don't know. It feels like a normal team would have that conversation where Cashman in that presser. He basically says, you know, I'm not saying we did or didn't talk with Gary, which I don't know. I'm almost interpreting that as you definitely didn't. Um, and at the same time, you know, yes, there's part of Gary Sanchez that should infer I was playing bad that I got benched. But at this point, we're almost playing like a high school game of telephone or something like, oh, well, they didn't they didn't tell me why I got benched. But, you know, I probably could guess like, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it. 
everything about it is kind of dumb. Like it's just like everyone's stating the obvious. But I I do think it is of note that this is the like we've seen this off season them be a bit harsher towards Gary than they have been when they made a point to kind of baby him the first couple of years. Yeah, no, that's that's fair and. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting to see this development, and uh, dude, it ties into the whole baby bombers, and you know, this is the future of the Yankees. That the timeline, <laughs> that window is tightening up. Like, uh, we you know when Cheers. we ta- when we when we talk about Glaber Torres, shortstop and second base, like <laughs> Glaber, this this year is kind of your last chance to to keep that shortstop job for the next year. So, I, I think uh, Cashman's Cashman's laying it out there, which I like. And at, at the same time, that wasn't scorched earth. It was, I, I think there's a little pettiness mixed in there, but it's all very fair. Oh, I mean, it's because it's just the obvious. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. It's I don't truth. mind it. I, I understand why, why it's a talking point. Yeah. Like, I understand why. I understand. Like, I had the reaction. Like, whoa, that's a different tone than I'm used to. What, uh, what do you think Cash and Boone, when spring training starts... Do you think they're going to say it's a full-blown open competition? Do you think they're going to say it's Gary's job to lose? You can't. You can't. I think they're going to say it's Gary's job to lose. You can't say the back end of what he just said that we're not looking at last year. Right. Well, if you're not looking at last year and you mean that, then it's Gary's job to lose. And, And you probably have Higgy catch Cole, which sucks. But sucks just because it ties you, obviously. But we'll we'll find you. That's going to be interesting, Jim, because that's opening day. So then, are you giving Higgy the opening day start with Gary on the bench? I mean, that starts to get controversial pretty quick. Mm, opening day shenanigans suck. Shenanigans. I mean, DJ didn't DJ didn't start opening day 2019, but everyone knew he was a starting player. It's where'd you, you get know, that fun fact? What fun fact? That opening day shenanigans. That, oh, yeah, suck. that opening day DJ thing. Dude, I hate, like, when, you know, who's the opening day lineup? Well, it's not, it's just game one. Like, game two could be different. It depends what you're facing, a lefty or a righty, whatever. I, I hate, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy the, well, who's your number two and three in, like, the regular season? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's the first five games of the season. Nothing's matter less. I agree with you from the fan perspective of trying to blow it up. Dude, imagine being on a sports team, though. Like, there's that pride. Like, you know, opening day, running out, you're the catcher. You got the gear on, national anthem, let's play ball. Like, there's there's heartstrings attached there. Gary should do everything he can to become Cole's catcher. Like that. I don't know if I don't know if it's possible. Gary Cole probably wrote it off. But, yeah, Gary should be saying, like, fuck that. I want to be his catcher. I don't want to have to sit just because he's on the mound. Yeah, yeah, and and Boone and Cash should tell Cole, like, can we try to make this work? Like, we need you to really try. Yeah, and by the end of spring training, by the end of April, if you it's not even making progress, fine, but you need to actually try to make this work. We will give you a catcher if you want it, but like they need to, they can't just start spring training and and Higgy's Cole's guy. And that's where, I guess, tying that all together, that's where I'd like to see Gary start opening day. And, and A, you don't create that headline for fans to go nuts with. He can't even start opening day. You tell Cole that Gary's going to be there because he's our best catcher when he's right. And honestly, you know, one or two good starts with Gary behind the plate, 
A, the myth gets busted, and then B, you're going to have to let Higashioka play anyways, you know, even if if they do do some version of this weird condensed thing that they that the uh the league threw out the other day, 154, 162, like Higgy's going to play a lot of baseball this year. And if the majority of them end up being cold days, who cares? But I think to start the season, like get Gary out there. What's going on on your end? See what I just did? I didn't. I saw you get up, and then I saw a bottle. So what's going on? Describe it for the people. Well, for anyone just listening, I'm trying to get my hands a little free. So I have uh, my mic in my Burger King cup. Hands-free mic. Hands-free mic. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't tell if, if you spilled or what was going on. Maybe I just talk between pillows, and oh, now wow. the chat will stop complaining about my echo. Between two ferns with uh, yeah. Jimmy O'Brien. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean that's the Gary thing. We, uh, you know, we're gonna have PPPs coming up. Bad, uh, you know, y- you guys. If you're a Yankee fan listening to this, you all know the Gary Sanchez story. Uh, Jimmer, I think that brings us to. Uh, there's kind of a next topic, but we've got a couple voicemails and. Like three of them lead into the topic. So should I just let them rip? Yeah, let them rip. Let them rip. rip all three. Oh, oh, double producer. It's a double producer. Two producers. The sun will come out. Tanaka. Bet your bottom dollar with Tanaka. The sun will shine. Just. Thinking about Tanaka Clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow Till there's none Oh, the sun will come out Tanaka Another lap So you gotta hang on with Tanaka Come what may Tanaka Tanaka I love ya Tanaka, you're always 6,558 miles away. I mean, claps well, like. I thank you. That was, I mean, oh my God. <laughs> like, Great job by TD. That's TD, right? That, that person just performed. The boys, Jordan nope. from Boston. Masa is gone. Very sad, but I'm happy he's going home to Japan. Gary Sanchez tweet with a picture thanking Masa for his time, wrote, quote, pizza at the end. I got to know. Do you know what this is about? Do they like the same pizza? And who knows? And also, what pizza does Gary like? What pizza does Tank like? Got to know. Thanks, boys. Go Yanks. All right. And we got one more tanker, and then we'll let it rip. Whoa. John Boy, Jake, Bug Bug Dude. Hope all is well. Hope everything's good. Uh, unfortunately, this call is a sad one. Today, got the news about Tanaka, and honestly, got to admit it, as as biased, no offense, as you guys can be about Gary, I have to love it because I'm the exact same way about Masa. He's my favorite player. He has been for a long time, and from pitching through a torn ACL to come back and try to get us in the playoffs in 14 to being a Cy Young candidate to being one of the best playoff pitchers of this generation – I love the guy, honestly, and any, I've always said like, I won't accept any Yankee fan that doesn't love Masahiro Tanaka because there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't. So 
sad, but favorite Tanaka moment is the question. And let's just reminisce about the greatness that is Masa for a moment and hope he comes back one day. Thanks, guys. Go Yanks. I love Masahiro Tanaka forever. Forever and always. Uh, well, to answer the pizza question first, that was from the commercial that the Yankees did where uh, Tanaka wanted to have lunch with Gary. So Tanaka asked his translator, who then translated it to Marlin, the Spanish translator, who then translated Gary. They kept going back and forth on what they wanted to eat. And then finally, they both said, pizza, at the same time. There was a fake rumor that it was about Tanaka's nipples, but that was fake. It was just a commercial. Well, I'm uh, A, for those of us that want to believe the nipple stuff, um, let's not take that off the table. Um, Just because some of us need that to get through. Um, yeah, Tanaka and Gary Cuteness, as always, uh, Jordan, a couple regulars. I mean, that was a full song we just started off with. That was like, oh boy, Jimmy and the Pillows are now, Jimmy and the Pillows would be a good band name. Great song by TD. What's, uh, I want, (laughs) this is a, uh, this is an image (laughs) I haven't seen before. It's beautiful. You know what? The wide shot of me is much funnier than <laughs> what the audience is seeing. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if Zach can switch it real quick, but the full wide, I think, is fun. <laughs> it looks funnier. like you just birthed two massive baby pillows, and you're holding them <laughs> on display for your children. Listen, up. if I saw one more chat member be like, Jimmy, the is a little off today, I was going to eat my own face off. So this is what I'm doing. I'd rather do this than see those comments come in every five seconds. The old chat monster. Um, thanks, everyone in the chat. Jimmy, uh, we had the song, Fra- Favorite Tanaka Memories. Um, you know, We already did the, the pizza nipples slash eating thing. Uh, it's 2017, t- man. It's the 2017 playoffs against the Astros, against the Indians. I mean, full display of how... I think his pitching was full display, like what his what he can do on good days and on bad days, and who he is on the mound as a as a battler and a warrior, and then uh, who he is as a teammate. So it starts off with Sevy just shit in the bed in the wild card game, right? And there's a clip that I posted after that wild card game, after the Yankees won of Sevy just walking on the field all like down and mopey and Tanaka running behind him and like picking him up, putting his arm around his shoulder and like, God, shake it off. We just won. Like we are going to get another chance, like being there for him. So even before he took the mound in the 2017 postseason, he was doing awesome stuff for his teammates and for Sevy who are like buddy, buddy. Then he takes the mound, pitches like a crazy game three against the Indians, seven innings, zero and runs. Is that what it was? And then against the Astros, I mean, just great games as well. Uh, so I think that small window of the 2017 postseason is just really enlightening into why Tanaka's loved by so many people. Yeah, I mean, the, the postseason s- starts are obviously going to stick out more than the others. Uh, what he did against literally the cheating Astros is kind of mind-blowing. Uh, two really good starts against them. 
And, yeah, I mean, t- taking it outside of that, because I think that's what jumps to everyone. I mean, like you said, the the fighter in him, kind of that old-school David Cohn when he didn't have his stuff, like just figuring it out on the fly. And, you know, if he's pumping heaters that day or if the slider's there, splits working, you know, just figuring it out, battling. Um, and then on the other side of it, the days his stuff was there, and I'm I'm jumping to a lot of his Rays games. Like there was days when he made the Rays look like they shouldn't be in the same league that he plays in. Like I I think those days when Tanaka's dominant, the splitters there, he can make the ball dance in any direction he's want wants. Uh, that that really sticks out. Um, and obviously you know getting mad at the pop-ups and just that that general demeanor. Like there is no perfect. Like I ev- it can always be better. Getting mad at a pop up's hilarious. What about uh, what about the the Rays example is really good too. He just like when when he would had the Rays when he would go complete game shot against the Rays, honestly made the Rays look so embarrassing. For some reason, he he just made them look childish. At them. He looked at them what like if, they should if, they should not share the field with him. What about when he pulled both hamstrings running the bases? Yeah, not not, not as fun, but kind of funny. Yeah. You think that, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, he gave his presser and he said unfinished business in, in the States. I mean, are we, I want to mentally and just blindly buy into it, but are we doing that or no? Yeah. Okay. He took, le- he took less money. Um, he took $7 million when he was asking for, I think he was asking for 10 from the Yankees and 15 from any other team is uh, kind of the final reporting that we're going to kind of believe, but no one truly knows. Allegedly, he was asking for like around 10 from the Yankees, 15 from other teams. He took seven to go back to the Japan. He worked out an option in his Japanese contract that says he can opt out after one year because he said there's unfinished business and maybe he wants to come back to the States. So yeah, if everyone, if, if the team wakes up, if the CBA gets in order, um, if someone's like, wait, we should have got this guy, then yeah, I think maybe the Yanks reset the tax and then they bring him back if they want him back. I, I do think he'll come back. He's just got so much fight in him. I also think he just wants Corona to get away. Like, I don't want to do a bullshit weird season again. Like, that sucked. I got two little kids. I can go to Japan and just live my life normally. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to come back. I hope so. Uh, what about the team that wanted him to close? One team, allegedly, one team reached out for him to be a closer. Who the fuck is that? It's hilarious. It's the it's the Anaheim Angels, um, a thousand percent. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, when that tweet came out, me and BBD were looking at each other, and like I was just started laughing. Like you know, the the stuff does not translate to closer. Like the personality and demeanor kind of does, but like I I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that was just a little. Razzmatazz, who who knows about it? And Jim, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go blind faith with the Tanaka thing coming back. And um, you know, when the Yankees win this year, Jim, you need a different mix on the next year's team to still be motivated. So then it's gonna be like, oh, we won it without Tanaka, and now we gotta win one with Tanaka. If the Yankees win the World Series without Tanaka and then bring him back, and then they don't win for like another five years. I mean, it's going to be called like the Tanaka curse or something. They'll, and that's going, to be, that's going to be bad for him. They'll try to slip him a ring. Like, dude, you deserve this. And he will try to murder that person. Yeah. You just had me like, 
I don't like that scenario that you just laid out. No, 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 Jim. It's perfect because you need you need that up the ante if you try to repeat. So that's Tanaka coming back, and it's like, oh, we owe Tank one. Listen, if the Yankees win the World Series, I think they can't bring Tank back. I think it's fucking insulting. Oh, okay. I think if the Yankees don't win the World Series and they're like, we still needed a starter, then they go get Tank back, and then we win in twenty twenty two. And the uh, the other thing you said there, Jim, and Cashman had another quote on this was, you know, it was basically. It was either Kluber and Tyone or Tanaka. And when you start doing the financials there, I think Kluber and Tyone combined for about 13 mil. Um, And yeah, the Yankees probably would have been in that range for Tanaka. And I think that, again, would probably shock people because they're like, oh, Kluber, Tyone. These are guys coming off significant injuries. Tanaka throws innings, and they're pretty damn good too. Um, So, hey, we'll see how the two-for-one pays off. Um, We're going to miss Tank, man. Yeah, I like him. Tanaka Tuesday's not in the MLB. Oh, and some people were tweeting that Tanaka Tuesdays were going to be gone. No. They I mean, are, he's still going to be pitching for the Eagles. They are a spirit. Like, they are stronger than that. So Our social media will be covering Tanaka for at least a couple starts. Gone. When I say our social media, I mean Kyle. Yeah, basically. Um, okay, we got a couple more voicemails. You want them? Yeah. Okay. Jimmy, Jake, BBD, hi. This is Pat from New Jersey. I've been thinking a lot about the Yankees' first and second round picks going back. Really, it seems like there's been a lot of poor drafting. If you go back to, like, 2004, you guys like Hughes, Kennedy, and Jabba, who had their moments as the Yankees. Can't really be upset with their production. After that, we had a few guys that were part of the trades. They work to various degrees, but a lot of the guys, you know, aren't playing big league ball at all, with the exception of guys like Judge and hopefully Clark coming up. A lot of our first and second round picks really aren't playing impactful innings and games. Uh, what do you guys think about how the Yankees have drafted? Is this an area of concern, or am I overreacting to this? And with the international draft pool money you know, being less than it ever was before, what do you guys think uh, about that? Jim? I don't care. I don't care about the draft. I mean, they got the international draft, so to discredit that, I mean, is weird. Obviously, they put more emphasis on the international draft and saving up money to go get these guys, like the Martian, uh, like Severino, like Gary Sanchez. Obviously, they put more emphasis on that, which is fine. They never because want to know why? Because when you're competing every year and making the playoffs every year, you're never going to have great draft picks. So they're like, all right, well, we can compete every year, not have great draft picks, but we'll just. So we'll just put an emphasis on the international draft instead of or international signings instead of this draft. I think that's a fine strategy. Also, hey, we'll just trade people for your good prospects. Glaber Torres, we'll take that dude. Uh, Domingo Herman, we'll take him. Mike King, yeah, you're on our team now. Chad Green, hey, you're now a Yankee. So um, Aaron Hicks, we'll just pick you up. Didi Gregorius, we'll just trade for you. Let other teams do that. So I I, I think that. The Yankees don't put incredible they don't stress the draft that much because they're they're not the Yankees don't really draft players to become Yankees. Like they draft five catchers every year. Wanna know why? Because teams always want to trade for a catcher. Like they're they're not drafting those catchers to be Yankee catchers. How many catchers did they take in the last three years? And how many catchers did they trade away in the last six years? So yeah, I don't I don't think they, you know, they're never getting a top 
10 pick. Yeah, and it's 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 baseball, man. I mean, it it's a crapshoot. Like I you know, I I just clicked over to the Red Sox to see what their what their first round draft pick history looked like and it was like Benintendi, JBJ, um and then outside of that, that was really it. So like, I don't know, Aaron Judge being a hit, like you're kind of going to get one of those a decade. Um, and yeah, the the higher draft picks, you know, are not rocket scientists. They're normally going to be better. You'd like to see a couple other, you know, maybes or Is Monty a draft pick. Uh, yeah, not a first round pick. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at James Capriellen, who was a big part of that trade. Kyle Holder, who just got traded to Cincy, and he might be their everyday starting shortstop. Um, you know, Rutherford. I I don't know if he ends up having a career. You know, it's. But they don't care if they have MLB careers. They just care if they're good enough in the minors to trade. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, the Yankees don't draft <laughs> to have these kids become Yankees, as weird as it sounds. You'd like to see more of the prospect. You, you'd love – you'd every team in Major League Baseball wants more of their prospects to pan out. Prospect capital is a very big thing now. That's how transactions get made throughout Major League Baseball. Um and yeah, that's hey. You go through that list. James Capriellen, he was part of the Sonny Gray trade. Uh, Rutherford was part of that White Sox trade, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with uh, Clark Schmidt. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Aaron Judge. It, let's let's say you hope at each decade you get one guy that's a stud. Um, Aaron Judge is a pretty big one. You know, you go back and. Phil Hughes, you know, that was a pretty big prospect for the Yankees. They drafted Eric Cole. He didn't sign that year. So, come on, Cole. Uh, how, how many players on the 40-man do you think were drafted? Ooh, 40-man players drafted by the New York Yankees. Um, I would guess on offense, um, Higgy, Tyler Wade, um... Was Ford? I believe so. They have it here as he was a a um, a return, a a um, rule five return, rule five return. But that I think I he was. Drafted, he was yeah. originally drafted so, by the. Yankees. So then it would. Rule five. That one. So then it would be Judge and Guardy. Um, and then pitchers. You're looking at Monty, and then you know a grab bag of the bullpen. Yeah. There's six guys. Okay. You got most of them. Um, Monty and Nelson is the only other guy. Chad Green wasn't. He was Marlins, right? Chad Green. He, was, he, he came over with Tessa from the Tigers. 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 Liars. So, I mean, I the Yankees have been a winning franchise and making the playoffs. And, you know... I just think you have to understand the draft isn't a it's it's baseball, not football or basketball. So the draft is a crapshoot already. Like if 50 percent of first picks have a five year major league career, I think that's an incredible first draft class. I don't know the stats on that, but I'm guessing that would be incredible. No, I mean, it's, it, again, the the easiest comparison to make to the Yanks is probably the Red Sox. In the 2000s, they had Ellsbury and Clay Buckholt. Those are literally the only two names that really come off the phrase. Uh, from 2010 on, it's 
Matt Barnes, JBJ, and Benintendi. Um, Kopech's on there. He was a big part of their trade. But yeah, guys, like it's it's just how baseball works, man. <laughs> uh, and like like you also said, the international is a good point. The Yankees drive their money. You know, remember that was a joke on here for a while that the Yankees were just trading for international bonus money because that's what they put their resources into. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look up right now, Jake. Sure. Out of the Yankees, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Why do they do not ten? Why do they do? Why do they do not ten? They do nine. One, two, three, four, five. Out of the Yankees, nine top prospects. Weirding me out that they don't have ten. How many of them were drafted? <sighs> Yankees top ten prospect drafted by the Yankees, so not international. I would guess like three. I think it's one. I think Clark Schmidt's the only guy. You got Davey Garcia. I'm guessing he's um, amateur free agent. The Martian, Kevin Alcantara, uh, Ezekiel Duran, Alexander Vargas, Luis Medina, Estevan Florio, Oswald Peraza. Those are eight. I'm guessing they're all amateur free agent. And then Clark Schmidt got drafted. So there's your answer. Uh, whoever, What's the guy's name that called? Uh, Fergie. Focus on the amateur free agents and not the draft, and you'll see where the Yankees actually care and where they don't. Pillow guy. No, that's uh, that's really good analysis. Um, Thank you, Jake. Okay, we're good on that? Yeah, it was a good question. I think that's a good conversation to have, so thank it you for calling a- in with that. Good convo, good Feb 1 convo, snowstorm. Next call. What's up, guys? It's Jack from D.C. I just saw the report on Seve that he's supposed to come back around late summer, and I was wondering what you guys think is a realistic expectation for Seve when he comes back. Like, where do you think we can pencil him into the rotation at? Because, I mean, I love Seve, but he's a complete unknown at this point, pretty much. It's been a long time since he's lost pitch, and I don't think it's fair to expect 2017-2018 Seve. Uh, also, Jimmy, I saw in your story that you made these apple chips. How do you make those? Because they look amazing. Thanks, guys. Go Yankees. Who was this? What's his name? I think that was Jack. Jack, Thanks, Jack. from DC. Uh, I don't want to answer the savvy one because we do have the player profile and projections Ooh. coming up, and we're going to have a whole episode on savvy, I believe. So we can t- get into that. I would just say from so what we expect his role to be in games, we can get into that on the PPP, but uh, I wouldn't expect a lot. Uh, hopefully, he's ready to be a starting pitcher and dominant come playoffs. I mean, it's a weird thing because, and you know, you can almost do this with Tyone too, who he'll just be there to start the year. But oh, let's be honest, we're going to be Yankee fans. Where if if Luis Severino his first start is three innings and he's wild, but by the time October rolls around, he can throw you a mean five, six, seven innings. Sign me up all day. So it's going to be a build up. The Yankees aren't going to rush him. You know, it's not, <laughs> Sevy's not going to skip a rehab start if we need someone to jump on the big team. Like, they are going to take care of that right arm and try to have him built up the best for October. Um, Jimmy, the apple chips, though. I was trying to get someone in the chat asked for Zach to put it on screen. It's on my story. Can you see this at all? It's a tough angle. They look like they could be dumplings or kind of anything from that angle, but it, it's a really I'm closer to the screen than Jake is to his screen. I can confirm you can see it. Okay. The chips. 
That's some good. Yeah, they're just dropping. So, uh, yeah, I actually am going to make some of these because Katie and I like them. Uh, you just take an apple, get a mandolin, you slice it really, really thin. You lay the slices on a baking sheet and you bake it for two hours at 225 degrees. And you, you sprinkle some cinnamon on it. And they taste like potato chips, but they're apples and they get crispy. And then, Jake, some of them have like a little juicy bitterness to mm. them. Those are the good ones. Some of them taste juicy, even though they're crispy. Mm. And they're healthy because they're just fruit. Literally just a piece of an apple baked. Were you doing any dips with these apples? No. No, no, no. Okay. For Cin- cinnamon's on there, so like you don't need to do a dip. Okay. I feel like there's curious routes you can do with that. Like yogurt? Would that be something or is that gross? Anything you dip takes away from the healthiness that it's Right, right. To. Okay, so we're going for health there. Yeah, otherwise I'd just eat potato chips. Gotcha. 10-4. Uh, yeah, it was a good Instagram story. Follow him at jomboy underscore frog emoji. I also made applesauce, which was delicious. No joke? No joke. It was good. You ain't lying? On top of pork chops. No, no, no. No, pork uh, pork tenderloin. Last call. John Boy, Jake, this is Evan calling from Long Island. I wanted to know where you guys stand on the age-old question of what's better, the old Yankee Stadium or the new one? Now, personally, I think the new one is way better, which I feel like is a bit of an unpopular opinion. It's just, it's way more fan-friendly. That The old stadium was really crammed, tiny. I remember it took, like, an inning to go to the bathroom. As a kid, I remember, one like, a bunch of times walking into the bathroom and seeing guys pissing into the sinks because they just didn't want to wait in line anymore, and they just were, were doing, I don't know, it was disgusting in, in a lot of ways. I also think that the the idea that it's this historic park is a little overblown since the original Yankee Stadium was demoed in the 70s, so the park most of us think of as old Yankee Stadium is just a refurbished park, more or less. Um, and and uh, there's a lot of just nostalgic memories about that 90s run that I think people are remembering. I'd like to hear what you guys think. Thanks. Yeah, hey, I'm recording. Um, all right. I mean, he had some good points there. Like going to the bathroom is easier at the new stadium. And maybe you're not as cramped as next up against the person you're next to. But I, I hate what he said about the nostalgia and the history. Like when you're, who cares if they redid the upper decks and the the facade and stuff in the seventies, when you were standing at home plate, you were standing on the same area that Babe Ruth stood. That's the coolness of Fenway. Like you get to close your eyes and be like, wow, this is the same exact spot that Babe Ruth pitched, that Babe Ruth hit on. Like for some people, they don't have the history nostalgia bone. I have it like through the roof. Like obviously you guys know that I love that stuff. But I mean, anytime... It's like uh, I like past and present photos where they'll take a photo of like a city block in the 20s and then take a photo of the same city block in the 2020s. And you're like, holy shit, same exact place. And that's what old Yankee Stadium had going for it. It wasn't like people. I don't even get his argument that they remodeled it. Of course they did. But it was same hollowed ground. Yeah, that was that was the only tough part because it's it's almost like everything he said was fair. And that's why. When the new stadium came out, I 
I didn't like a lot of people went on a war path and they were like, I hate it. It stinks. Um, the points that that caller made, yeah, like there's there's some nice parts of the new stadium and you know some more conveniences and more modern. Uh, but to say at the end, like I, you know, if you're just gonna say it was more nostalgic, and it's like, well, that's baseball. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why Wrigley Field's outfield wall is brick covered in ivy. Do you know how dumb our grandkids are gonna think that was? But it's badass, man. <laughs> like it's as cool as it yeah. gets. Uh, so yeah, to to try to write that off, like if <laughs> if the old stadium had some more nicer bathrooms, uh, that would have been pretty cool, man. But uh, it didn't, and that's where all the greats played. I mean, you know, I my dad would always point to Monument Park and say, "Do you know how many?" How many homers that Mickey Mickey Mantle had taken away that just rolled around in the outfield there, you know, and that's that's all part of it. I think what the old state like the charm of the old stadium was the nostalgia and a living museum and the history of it. Like if you took that same exact structure, but the Yankees didn't play there or on that ground, you it would be Comiskey Park is a boring stadium. So the new stadium lacks charm because the charm of the Yankees is its history. And, you know, we have the 09 run, but there's not a lot like, you know, in 40 years, the new stadium will get some charm. If I doubt it will last that long. Stadiums don't last anymore. But you get what I'm saying? Like, if you're just going like take fanhood out of it and just the experience for someone that lives in London going to a game, I bet they'd enjoy the new one better. Yeah. And it's, uh, man, I, I was watching, you know, one of the Ken Burns baseball things and you saw like the old Ebbets field and seeing the way that baseball field is built. And there's, you know, it, the Yankees, like Camden Yards, beautiful, beautiful baseball stadium, little bit of history there. You know, the Yankees are more of a city. They can't build it near the water on a seaport or anything like that. So the history is what it has. So you're right, Jim, you know, 40 years when we're talking about, Tyro Estrada and the Yankees, like, yeah, that'll be that'll be beautiful. Can't wait. Tyro Estrada's championship run. He'll be the <sighs> best ever. Luis Soho. I was gonna say that. Obviously, you know that's where I was going, but I just it's tough tough shoes to fill. Because then I was like, little baby toe was kind of that. I really didn't like, I kind of didn't enjoy it as much as everyone else. Luis Soho played the most games at shortstop for the Mariners the year before A-Rod took over. So That's why A-Rod looks so good. Looks so good. Soho! Baby, make it hurt so good. Uh, I don't know, Jim. Anything else you need to get off your chest? Is Gardy going to sign a reliever? Yeah, so Joel Sherman said that it might be Gardner for five million, and then nothing after that, and they might save the rest of the four or five million left for trades. That'd be kind of disappointing. We need another reliever. Um, I do like you know Sessa and Loisaga. Hopefully, one of them can jump up. Uh, but or 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 if you get a reliever at the deadline, there are ways that the Yankees are fine. If they would rather get a reliever at the deadline than a reliever right now and save the $5 million to go see who's available at the deadline. If they think that 
a trade candidate is better than what the free agent market in their cost range is right now. I get it. It's a little bit of a pill to swallow right away because I think I'd rather start the season with more relievers. Um, so that was kind of an interesting thought where I was like, I can stomach this, but I'd rather just get a reliever now. People keep saying Rosenthal, but I mean, obviously we're not a math pod, but the people saying Trevor Rosenthal aren't math people at all, I guess. We, we don't, we don't support mathematics. Whoa. Um, no, I mean, it, it just doesn't seem in the budget right now. That Guardy five mil is probably a fair number. Some, some people might disagree with that. Um, and yeah, I, I'd still like them to take a flyer on a guy. There's going to be a couple veteran uh, free agents that you could probably grab in the two, three mil range. But if we are doing a spin zone, like, hey, the Yankees want to use Johnny Lasagna as high leverage, let's see it for two months in the regular season, and maybe he gets good at it instead of just trying it out in the playoffs. And then I'll, I'll spin zone you even harder, Jim. That Archie Bradley trade last year that we wanted in a bad way, you know, if the Yankees leave the cap space to do that, um, you know, and that's when they go make the move, then fine. But they need another. Well, yeah, I'm talking myself into saving the money and, and using it on someone at the deadline. Like, there's so many relievers that went for one year. Uh, not all those teams are going to be in contention. What if the Phillies aren't even close to the race and Archie Bradley's available again? He only signed a one-year deal. And then that gives you the leeway to test out Nick Nelson, Sessa, Lasagna, like you were saying, and one of them shows out and is good, and then that drops what you need at the trade deadline. So I understand the thinking. Like We, we want to be able to trade because we think our options will be more at the deadline uh, than right now in picking up a guy, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, Rosenthal's out. They did not trade Ottavino to go above the luxury tax. They traded out of, you know, so they would like if anyone has any doubts, if they're going to go above the luxury tax, they are not. They are staying under. So Rosenthal doesn't fit. He's going to cost more than they can afford with what they're trying to do. Yeah, it would have to be uh, a backloaded contract or something. It just doesn't make sense. A, a team Tr Trevor Rosenthal was pumping one hunge, hunge on the gun last year. He's someone's going to take a chance on him. Um. All right, Tim, BBD, BBD. How are you? Even, I'm good. They don't even like let you do like backloaded stuff for luxury tax purposes. It's like, like they have they use the term luxury tax manipulation because they just equally distribute the total value and stuff. So we can't even really get shenanigans. Zach, your thoughts? Okay. And I'm happy Zach's here. The closer we get to the season the more I'm going to make myself believe in this team, obviously. Right. They're good. They're good. And I'm, I'm going to start coming at everyone saying they're bad soon. Okay. Nice. Just to let everyone know, like been weary for a while. Yeah. Been a little more down and out about the construction and the injuries and what's happening. As soon as spring training comes, it's the land of eternal optimism. And I'm going to start being incredibly happy and everyone's going to have great years and Kluber and Tyone are going to fucking crush it. Herman is going to surprise people. Monty's going to take a step up. No one's going to get a long injury. Someone will get a short one on the, on the offense. And we're going to be like, oh yeah, I forgot. 
We have a lot of good players. You know what? Wow. John Boy got so hot, he he spoke himself off the air there. What happened? We lost you for a second. You're back? I'm I, back. I just went black. Yeah. Well, uh, what was I saying? You were just hot that the Yankees are going to be really good because they've got good players. Yeah. They got good. Oh, what I was going to say is the AL, the AL sucks. Yeah. Who's good in the AL? It's the White Sox, who I'm I'm not taking the cheese yet on. I got to see him be good. White Sox, Rays, Twins, A's, Astros. But if you compare the Yankees to all those teams, they're right there with injuries. Without injuries, they're clearly the favorite in the AL. And that's not me talking out my butt. Go look at anyone Ooh. that's projecting or looking at it. So uh, all the people that are coming at the Yankees be, be forewarned pillow dudes coming at you soon. Not yet. I've, I've been in on the Yanks. I didn't know what pitchers they were going to get. Um, and I, I think it really is interesting and you know, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit of a risky guy, but when Cashman said the two for one, when you look at Kluber and Tyone versus Tanaka, um, you know, as much as I love Tanaka, I think for this year, like this year, just isolated, I think I'd rather take the chance on Kluber or Tyone being right for the playoffs, which hurts to say a little bit, but it's honest. I wish Dan wasn't making so much money to be the DH. Yeah. Hit a bunch of home runs and we won't care. Yeah. Hit a... Yeah. Yeah. G. Like so many. 40? That would be nice, right? Yeah, I don't care. Just stay healthy, man. Everyone be good come the playoffs. Everyone listening, you're all hot. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. Mm -hmm.